communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. And good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King and Merle Kelch is here in the 504403 area code today. I am. I mean, oh, hey, there's a microphone. Look at that thing. Not traveling. Uh, we got it in, back. In the area. And I know a lot of people, they don't call the show when you're on location <laughs> yeah. for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I mean, we can take questions when you're on the phone, but they don't seem to want to call. Well, they feel like there's a break, you know, in the action. If you have to get a little bit of time to just sit back or relax. Uh-huh. Right? Don't want to get out. So this is the first time, folks, I've had three weekends of winter weather, and one of them was in Texas in the course yes. of the last three weekends. So uh, so here we are. We are back in uh, sunny, beautiful Wausau. I told my wife, I said, I, I, geez, you know, we we went to Texas to have uh, our first anniversary, folks, and as well as um, uh, Valentine's Day, and we end up in a scavenger hunt, you know, looking for stuff like, you know, food, water. And- Underwear. Power, yeah, we had to we had to go to Target. There's no doubt we had to we had an emergency uh, yeah. stipend for Target, you know. So so I said I still want to go someplace and you know just just relax, just sit there and do nothing rather than having to, you know a phone calls and flights and rental. I mean all that sort of stuff. So 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 we still might have to do that. And I told Shannon, let's just wait until April, and we'll go someplace south in the country where the probability of snow is is near zero. You can possibly get. At that point in time, so we might still have to do that at some point, right. just well, because we. Uh, but he is here to answer your your financial questions today about your investments, your portfolio, whatever you think the market's going to do. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. Market took a big rebound on Friday after getting yeah, dumped yeah. on for a couple of days, but bounced back nicely after a, a decent jobs report. And uh, it was interesting. Jim Cramer said that uh, the uh, jobs report was just good enough. It wasn't too good, but it was just good mm-hmm. enough. What did he mean? Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You get uh, a jobs report that is uh, is good enough to make everybody happy, but if it's too good, uh, then it could lend itself to some sort of an inflationary effect um, or a problem that uh, it's, uh, the economy is growing too fast and you have to slow it down. So there's a sweet spot, in, and I think the jobs report hit it. Now, what's kind of funny is I'd actually wrote a note down here just to talk about the whipsaw on Friday, and I have to share something about in our industry, if you're an individual that's buying money and investing, in, you know, stockbroker, or you're buying stuff for clients and funds, whatever term you want to use, and sometimes you look at this and go, "Man, I'm really going to get lucky because the market's nice and low in the morning. It's dropping off. I'm like, oh, perfect day to buy," which I had a number of clients and some work I had to do anyway. So with that being the case, I'm getting ready in the morning, getting ready to go, get my notes ready at home, which I'll typically do, get ready to go to the office, start doing some trades. Now, folks, a mutual fund, if you buy a mutual fund, which is what was on our pallet yesterday, if you do that, it closes at the end of the business day. So in the morning, I'm looking like a bleeding hero because the market's down. The NASDAQ was down some 2.5% in the morning on Friday. And I'm looking like a superhero going, man, I nailed this. The clients are going to be so happy with me. And then it turns around and it goes up 1.5% at the end of the day. Oh, crap. You know, so so some of these days you get whipsawed like this. Uh, it's just it's just amazing how fast it can well, turn Wait a minute. Around. If you bought in the morning when the market was low and then the market went up, that should be a good thing, right? Mutual funds only close at the end of the day at 3 o'clock. Oh, I see. So it doesn't matter what the price is throughout the course of the day. Got it. And uh, so we did buy a couple of individual stocks in the, in the mid part of the day, and we did okay. But 
Um, but at the end of the day, everything closed out for what we bought in the morning when I thought I was a superhero. And at the end of the day, the market's up. You All know, right. So that's the way the fun goes. <laughs> All right. 715-845-2155. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Brian. Brian, you're on with uh, Mark. Good morning, Good morning. Uh, I tried calling last week, but I couldn't get through. So I don't know if you had something gooped up with the phones or not. But that, that, was Tom's, that was Tom's fault. That was Tom's <laughs> fault. Right? I was it on Tom. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just got a question. I got some stuff in the mail from Marathon Savings Bank over the last week and a half or something ago. And it uh, seems like they're redoing their structure. And I'm wondering if you know anything about that or what you think of that. Well, all I, all I know is they're, they're switching it to a mutual company, and you have to have a vote for it. And that's about all I know at that at this particular point in time. Now, uh, we had some clients that brought some stuff in, and they said, uh, we have an offer to buy some of the shares um, or part of the mutual company. Uh, should we do so? And so, again, all I know is that they're, they're trying to switch over to a mutual company, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and usually what I find, um, Brian, is when you have a small organization like the like Marathon uh, Savings Bank, if you have the chance to buy into it, I rarely find it to be a bad idea. Um, you know, the banking industry is highly regulated to make sure that things are going in the right direction and all that kind of stuff. And they're also insured from insolvency and that type of thing um, as far as their deposits. Um, and so I always look at this stuff and say, geez, if I buy part of this and the company then gets bought out by a bigger bank, um, boy, I can end up making a couple of dollars. And so when I look at some of the stuff, that would be one of the things I'd do some work and research on. Brian, I don't have their number sitting in front of me, but do a little bit of homework and watch for that. You might have an opportunity here. All right. I just, I, it was kind of strange. And then I noticed one, uh, some time back, I think it was Bank of Wausau or something. I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. They were selling shares and they were like five yeah. grand a share. And then uh, Marathon is at 10 bucks a share. So I just, I can't. Uh, it just really has to do with like the that. number of shares. Okay. You know, so at 5,000 shares, there were less shares than there were at $10 a share, more than likely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. I Appreciate hope that it. helps you out, Brian. 715-845-2155. So most small banks eventually get bought up by bigger banks. Does it always work that way, or is it a hit and miss kind of deal? It seems to be a pattern. I don't think it always happens. If we look at People's Bank here in town, they started as just a single branch and have uh, grown to be pretty nice and a great Midwestern blank, bank or a blank um, bank. And so so they're one that has not been bought out or merged or something of this nature. But a lot of times you have a smaller banks that tends to be the case. So sometimes you'll see the smaller banks, they'll, they'll change their financial structure to make it easier to be sold um, later on. And, and that may or may not be the case with Marathon. I don't know. It's interesting because, so. you know, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, there were a handful of banks and they didn't changed their names for decades it was the same banks mm-hmm. same names now it seems like the these financial institutions are changing their names almost on a yearly or couple years and uh, some of them to goofy ones well uh, yeah when you talk when you're talking about and i'm no no disparagement <laughs> but the incredible bank or some of these names are, are like where did you, where did you come from where did you come up with a name like that and and what's the deal i mean what's what's going on with this um, you know, a lot of it is just packaging. Um, there's a lot of banks that are trying to get themselves uh, to the point where they're being online. We've talked about it before uh, with the businesses that have an online presence tend to be doing a lot better, especially throughout the course of this past year, than brick and mortar. Though brick and mortars are starting to pop back up that uh, have been in the malls, like your gaps and that kind of stuff. And so I think a lot of the banking industry is doing the same thing. They're positioning themselves to have a name that has a 
a presence that's easy online um, and uh, going in that type of a direction. And will they or will they not be bought out? I don't know, but it's easier to do business when you're online versus having multiple brick and mortars in, in li- online. You can scale it any size that you want to. You just need to have the infrastructure of the, the network. Um, and so I, I'm guessing that's that's pretty much it. Financial sector, a good buy in your, in your uh, opinion at this point? Maybe. Um, and we can talk about that with inflation that comes up. I do have to tell a story that's kind of funny, folks. In the investment business, we time to time get into insider information. And so I had a client at the time in Milwaukee, and it was a you know local credit union that was turning into a stock bank and being purchased all at the same time. And uh, one of the guys comes into my office, he goes, Merle, um, go open up a whole bunch of accounts, like 10, 12 accounts at this bank. And when you open them up, opt in and buy the shares because the shares are going to probably triple <laughs> or bigger in the next six months. I said, well, how do you know this? Well, I'm on the board of directors. <laughs> well, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so so that's where you know I learned some information what tends to happen with the smaller companies. Again, I don't know if it's going to happen with Marathon, but do some research, folks, and, right. and read more about it. All right, let's go back to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? What's going on with it? Uh, Paul. Paul, go ahead. Morning, Paul. Yeah, I'm wondering about special purpose acquisition companies mm-hmm. and what your thoughts on them might be. You know, well, I see that Paul Ryan started one up, and I'm, you know, that's some name recognition there. Right. Give, give us a give us a definition of what they are first. Um, a SPAC is just really nothing more than a special way for companies to go public without having to go through the whole process of going public. So a special acquisition company... Um, uh, is is essentially a frame that was pre-existing and a company essentially using that frame to be able to go public. I don't know if that makes any sense without having to file with the Securities Exchange Commission and going through a whole syndicate of broker-dealers and that whole bit. And so with it, um, it allows companies that may not be ready to go public to go public. So we're seeing as of late a lot of companies that were SPACs um, are having some real difficulty in the marketplace with all the whipsawing that's been going on over the last two or three weeks. So like anything else, uh, Paul, I don't think a SPAC is bad, I think, but a lot of companies, or a number of companies, I should say, that are using SPACs to come out and go public are not necessarily making money. And my biggest thing in anything, um, as you've heard on this program, if you've listened for a while, is does it make money? That's the first question I have is does it make money or do we think it's going to go to a place that's going to make money in a relatively short period of time, unlike Uber or Lyft, who doesn't seem to ever want to make money? Um, so that's an underlying company. So if there's a SPAC, what is it that they do? Are they making money? Are they making profit? We need to know the answer to that question. I hope that helps, Paul. The SPAC is just nothing more than a shoebox that a company got involved on to be able to go public. Thanks for the call, Paul. Appreciate it. Well, when you talked about having Paul Ryan as a front man, does it matter if you have somebody with name recognition as a front man? Does that help uh, your company uh, draw more attention? Does it make it better? I think it, I, just a, I think it, it becomes a, a, a front, unless Paul Ryan is, is part of it and is one of his babies and he's helping to run a company, which I don't know. Uh, but it's sort of like having uh, Tom Selleck saying you're selling your uh, reverse mortgage. Um, same thing. You know, uh, Tom Selleck's not part of the company. He's the spokesman. I don't know if that's the case in this instance, but we'll have to see.
they have to make a, that disclaimer, right? Yep, that, it's all about raising capital. They have to say, I am a paid yep, uh, right, yeah, yeah, right. endorser. Okay. So, and, and he, may, he may end up getting some shares. I mean, a lot of times they'll get shares as a result of their endorsements. We look at Priceline with William Shatner, same principle. As long as we're talking about uh, going public here, well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break here and we'll come back and, and dive into. I see Robinhood is going to go public and they've chosen the NASDAQ for where they're going to. Uh, well, they don't know when they're going to go public yet, but they chose where they're going to go public. Okay, all right, yeah, all right. Well, yeah. we'll talk about that when we come back. If you have a question, for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. Due day, something comes out. News Talk, WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Let's go back to the phone. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Jim. Hey, Jim, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Jim. Uh, I'm curious what you think of uh, MLPs and ETFs. Well, two different animals, and I don't have a problem with either one of them, but like anything else, you know what you're getting into. So a master limited partnership or an MLP, um, you can do pretty well with them. I mean, there's been a number of them out there, especially in oil and gas programs, uh, that have done very well for individuals, and then all of a sudden they stink. But the biggest thing is a tax issue that comes along. So with most master limited partnerships, um, your taxes always tends to be tend to be goofed up because you have to wait for K-1s if they're late, if they're not late, and that's one of the biggest irritants of a master limited partnership. Um, but uh, again, like anything else, know what it's doing on the inside, know what your profit is. So again, not a problem, just know what it is. An ETF is what's called an exchange-traded fund. An exchange-traded fund, created funds? Yeah, apparently there's we a, a have, new one. We don't want now, an exchange cratered fund. That yeah, sounds like it would be go. losing uh, a lot of money. Jim, we have, yeah, we have it just for you now. We have an exchange <laughs> crater fund. I find those on the moon. All right, Jim. So an exchange, jeez, ex, an exchange traded fund, an go. ETF, um, represents a basket of goods or stocks or, um, for example, if you use gold, a, a basket of gold, and, and you have to really, really know and do your homework on those. So an ETF can be a wonderful tool or a, a monster if you don't know what's on the inside. And let me give you an example, and I've used it so many times, but here it is again. 
you know, when they first came out, I could go out and buy um, a portion of, uh, of uh, 500,000 ounces of gold. And so if I go in and buy some shares, I own a piece of that gold that's stored in a warehouse someplace and that whole bit. And I can buy it and sell it like a stock. So it makes it really easy for me to do business and metals and that type of stuff. Um, especially today, rare earth metals, you know, without having to find a miner, we can go through and buy an ETF that has rare earth metals in it. So it really makes it real handy, real a lot easier than me having to go out with the, you know, pickaxe and like Yukon Cornelius looking for the stuff. But that difference, what happened then is eventually somebody said, well, we're going to have a gold ETF, but we're not going to have any gold on the inside. We're just going to have gold companies. Well, that's not gold. That's gold companies. Now we have not only the price of gold, but now we have the price of the companies themselves. Then it turned into, well, maybe we'll have derivatives of gold and not the gold companies. And so all that stuff keeps changing. And so we have to know what's on the inside of that ETF. Now, where I find some of the ETFs that I'll use them personally inside of my practice and myself, myself as well, is I can't find a lot of good quality companies as far as mutual funds go in the small company value universe that fits the criteria I want simply because you get about six and that's not a lot of diversification to choose from because it narrows down the universe so small, but I can buy an ETF and buy all of them at the same time. And, and so I'll use it for a tool like that, for example. So great tool, but you got to know what's on the inside. It doesn't make it necessarily better or worse. It can be less expensive, but you have to know what's on the inside. Less expensive doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Um, uh, what makes it better is the bottom line performance. And to do that, you need to know what's on the inside and make sure it matches what your goals are. So Jim, I hope that helps out. Yes. I have another question. If I could, please yeah, go ahead. Yep. Um, you mentioned like GLD, is there a regulation? How do we know actually they do have the gold? Um, they, they just simply do. They have to buy prospectus. Okay. The cool, the cool, yeah. The cool thing is prospectus, um, are, they're like the constitution for the fund. If they don't follow that, they're going to have a massive revolt in class action suits against the manager. So the prospectus has to be managed the way the prospectus is. Appreciate it. All right. You're thanks welcome, for the call. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. If you have a question for Merle this morning, before the break, we, I was talking about uh, Robin Hood deciding to go public, and they have decided if they do go public or when they go public, yeah, the NASDAQ will be the place for them. Yep, so they said they're, if they're going to go public, it's going to be through the NASDAQ. Now, they don't have an answer when yet. So Robinhood is still having some issues back and forth as a result of the GameStop and the AMC stocks. They're still, still having some issues as a result of that. Um, one of them, they weren't capitalized right to be able to execute the trades. Um, uh, there's going to be some question on how they're actually – having the trades executed by going directly and steering business to market makers. Um, so they're going to have some issues coming up. But they said if they decided to go public, which I think the founders want to do, because that's how they'll realize the capitalization of the value of the company, uh, they'll do it through the NASDAQ. So on here, Tom, do we got a couple minutes? Yeah. All right. Um, I want to touch upon something in here. In there's a ton of stuff, and folks, if you read about the investment world and you look through things, uh, look through things, uh, the news, you're not finding anything that's not talking about the rising of interest rates. So the 10-year interest rates is up a half a percent throughout the course of about the last month here. Um, and why does that matter really becomes the question. And, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, but here it is once again. When interest rates go up, the bond prices drop. It works like a teeter-totter. That, that part in the center of a teeter-totter, Tom, it's called a fulcrum. See, I'm smart. <laughs> okay. We learned we learned that in like 
third grade. So, well, yeah, so you know. I, I just remembered it. I'm impressed <laughs> with that. Okay, so interest rates go up, the value of bonds come down. Now, the value of bond prices have been overpriced for a long time simply because interest rates, as we all know, have been so historically low. So interest rates going up, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's dropping the bond prices down. So if you own the physical bond, if I have XYZ Company's bond and I'm getting my interest rate and the bond prices are fluctuation, fluctuating, which they do, um, uh, that's okay because I'm continuing to keep getting my interest rates uh, or my interest every six months on that bond. Actually called a dividend, but let's call it interest. Um, so I'm still getting that. I'm okay with that. But the difference is if I have a bond mutual fund, it now can cloudy the world a little bit. So what tends to end up happening, and I can't tell you if it's happening yet, simply because the time is just here and I haven't dug into it. What tends to happen is if you have a, a bond mutual fund and interest rates are low, they'll tend to get rid of bonds that are having a lower interest rate and they'll buy ones that have a higher interest rate to try to, to, try to keep uh, the interest rates of that bond fund higher so that you continue to continue to keep using that bond fund. So when it happens, if they're buying and selling within that bond fund, they'll create a capital gain in many instances, which means we have to pay taxes on that bond fund, okay? Understandable, that's what mutual funds do. The problem is then is when interest rates are going up, bond prices are coming down, which means we lose money on the principal, but still get the privilege of paying taxes at the same time. Isn't that great, Tom? Yeah, yeah. So it that doesn't happen very often but I think we're in one of those times that that's about to be the case because interest rates, especially if inflationary pressures, which are here, folks, um, if inflationary pressures continue to keep going up and pushing the interest rates up, which is why we're seeing that tenure going up, the bond prices and bond funds are going to continue to keep dropping. And because of the bond fund families trying to hold up then their rate of return for the investors, they're going to have buying and selling, capital gains, and we lose money at the same time. So, Does that happen for have, this year's stock return, or tax return or not until next year? Not for 20. We're starting to see it happening for 21, and I, so I think this is the year it's going to be the case. And so my warning out there is this, folks. Um, if you have bond mutual funds, chat with your financial advisor about them and saying, are they the ones that we want to keep? Are they the ones that are going to become problematic? Has this happened in the past? Just simply ask those questions. If you have stuff that's called like ultra short um, duration or short duration bond funds inside your portfolio, probably not going to be an issue. But if you have like strategic income or income bonds or this nature, probably going to have a problem coming up. And so sit down, chat with your financial advisor. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but times are right for that to occur uh, coming up here in these uh, next several months to a year. All right, we need to take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Lookatyou.com. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. Phone lines are open, 715-845-2155. You know what, uh, Tom? Yeah. That, that disclaimer just stinks. Who read that thing? <laughs> it's oh, fine. Jesus. It's, it's a disclaimer. I mean, it's, yeah. you're not, oh. you can't make it sound sexy. Well, I could if I just had more time. <laughs> right. I could, uh -huh. hi, this yeah. is Merle. You know, no, we don't could, I that. could do that. 
You know, one of the biggest things that's happening around right now, folks, is um, inflation and stimulus. And it kind of sounds crazy. How do you put those two together? But right now, there's there's a whole mix of things happening inside of the economy between inflation, uh, stimulus, um, economy, and growth. Uh, it, it's all kind of interconnected at the moment. One of the reasons we're seeing so much stuff bouncing around um, as far as the markets go. You know, Friday we saw a whipsaw like we haven't seen in a long time, where at one particular point in time, the NASDAQ itself was down 2.5%, ended up at the end of the day plus 1.5, and in just an enormous amount on the Dow, and I forget where it ended up settling up. up I think it was 500, nearly 600. It was that one up by one particular point in time. So with that being the case, we look at it and say, why is this such a case? Well, first of all, when inflation starts peaking its head, it stops, it makes interest rates go up. And though the federal chairman, Powell, um, has not increased interest rates, and he said, we don't see much of a problem with the M2 money supply. The M2 money supply, which is like our savings accounts, CDs, that kind of stuff, near type of cash. And when that money starts driving up so much, it tends to be where the, the uh, interest rates are going to go. Now, it's up some 25% in the course of the last year. We don't see that we're going to end up having a 25% increase in inflation. And a lot of this stuff comes from Brian Westbury out of uh, First Trust in Chicago. Um, but it is out there, and it's, going to, it's making interest rates going up. We're seeing that happen now. So when interest rates start going up, it could slow down the job marketplace. And that's the whole thing uh, that people are trying to go. Also, with unemployment, we look at unemployment in the additional $400, I believe it is currently, uh, that goes out for unemployment. Um, that dollar amount is disincentivizing people to go out and fill the job reports that are out there. And so I'm not saying that that's what's exactly happening, but that tends to be an issue as you start coming back to a growth economy. And all the stuff is interconnected at the moment. I think we still see um, a little bit of turbulence in the marketplace until we find out what's going to happen with this one9 trillion dollar mess they're calling a bill now well it's going to pass i mean they're, yeah, they've compromised uh, on the unemployment now they've, the, they've lowered that they've lowered the amount of uh, people that are going to get the uh, the checks uh and they took out the uh, minimum wage uh increase so the, the, it's going the to problem pass. they have is when they're they're paying teamsters money to make their pension solvent and they're paying pension solvent for cities because they're wrong that's the part they got to take out because that has nothing to do with COVID. And if they took that stuff out, I wouldn't have a problem with it, Tom. You hear that? We had some agreement again. <laughs> Look at that. All right. You know, this is sort of like, you know, chocolate and peanut butter. Right. Yeah, we're chocolate together. and peanut butter. Who's it's who? A, well, I don't want to say because, it, you know, we probably have right. claims of other issues then. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. Obviously, the way that people work has changed in the last year, and a lot of people who are working from home – aren't going to be going back to the office. The TV show The Office is probably going to be an anachronism that uh, you're not going to see in many places anymore, especially with people that can do all of their work online. They're going to be working from home probably forever. So this certainly changes the dynamics of companies, of businesses that control um, business uh, office space and, and things like that, mm -hmm. um, selling of cars and the selling of gasoline for commuting, um, all of this stuff is interconnected, and it's all going to change here. Uh, we're looking at a, we're looking at one of those times in history where there is going to be a monumental change that many people didn't think was going to happen when we first had this pandemic yeah, yeah. shutdown. You know, it's interesting, Tom, as I've had this conversation with a number of, of business leaders and owners throughout the course of, of uh, throughout the the neighborhood here in Wausau, and and we all have a, a really interesting conversation about this in the sense that I think things are going to indeed change. Um, but I don't know that they're going to change for the better, and I think we go back to the old. 
So, Tom, if you and I are partners in work, and, uh, you know, let's say if you and I do in the radio program, we do this when we're remotely, we can't talk back and forth as we do during the commercials here. And, and as a result, I think something lacks as a result of that. And so if you're trying to come up with a new widget machine or a faster widget machine or a widget machine that uh, makes different colors, you need that collaboration of people in a room that share the ideas instantly to make them grow and foster. I think it's really, really difficult. You don't think Zoom meetings are going to be, uh, do, uh, they're not I, good I enough to handle think, that? I don't think it cuts it. I just don't think it cuts it. We were missing all that interpersonal um, uh, communication that's out there. I think it's missing. So now if you're a, I'm not going to pick on my accounting friends. You know, if you're you're accounting and you're counting numbers and, and doing the 10 key all day, um, or if you're taking phone orders, well, that's one thing. Um, but I, I think there's just something missing when you're having that collaborative thing. And maybe we work at home, but we uh, meet physically twice a week. I don't know what the answer is, but I think to that's have the ideas out. and the growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Wisconsin, they call it lunch. Yeah, all right, let's go, let's go so, to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, this is Louie. Hey, Louie, you're on with Merle. Morning, go ahead. Turn your radio Morning, Merle. Morning. Um, with all this working at home, isn't it like the business is not having to have a business anymore and they don't have to pay for the physical building? So don't you have like a home office then, even though it's not your business? It's interesting because I was just reading, some, just reading something today. Turn your radio down. Um, the, uh, the idea that businesses that own office space are able to write off their mm -hmm. losses on their taxes but people who are working at home because of the pandemic cannot write off what they're doing on their taxes. That just doesn't seem fair to me. Even just the internet connection. You might have right. to do a bunch sure, of payments sure. just to get a better internet connection. So there used to be a thing that was called a, um, oh, geez, I'm going back in my tax memory. I can't think of it. Um, a unpaid, if you're a statutory employer, you work someplace, but you have some <clears> expenses that you can't, um, a write off you don't get paid for. You could write it off with a certain form, and you could write it off. So this included like car mileage. If you had certain yeah. clothing that you had to purchase, that wasn't yeah. your own clothes, but say employee a place or business expense. But I don't believe they have. Unre a Thank you, Louis. You actually got it. Yeah, it's the yeah, unreimbursed employee expense. Thank you. Um, yep. It still exists that you can do it, but it has to be more than what your personal exemption is. With a personal exemption being twelve thousand dollars, it essentially has made that fall away. So it would not surprise me if at some point in time we saw that if you're an at-home employee, that you'll be able to write off the square footage of your house as some sort of a credit or something of that nature. It only seems to be fair that that would be the case. Um, so if you're an employer or self-employed, it's a whole heck of a lot easier to do that as long as, you're, of course, your itemized expenses are over that, that $12,000 mark or twenty-four if you're a married couple. But otherwise, the change of the tax code is what's made that. Now... When the tax code changed a few years ago, um, it, it was intended to make it so it was a lot easier. We got a bigger personalized uh, exemption for the 12000 each or 24000 as a married couple. Um, but people weren't working as home, and I don't think they planned a pandemic in the middle of that. Um, but it would surpri wouldn't surprise me if we see that change at some point in time, Louis. Well, again, we need the fair tax. The heck with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, we haven't heard anybody really talk about the fair tax, or it's not even a flat tax. The fair tax is the way to describe it. That was all the rage for a while, but we mm -hmm. really haven't heard anybody really talk about that recently. Um, what's kind of interesting is I've seen so many studies on this, and so many studies of the fair tax or flat tax, however you want to say it, it turns out to be about the same thing, is that people would find out how much they're actually paying to the federal government wouldn't like it. 
Um, and so it's it's more of a, um, a yeah, behavioral I, thing because the, the amount of money to run the government as we would now, Tom, is that each of us as individuals would have to pay. I think it was like sixteen point seven percent. Yeah, but you'd get rid like of that. you'd get rid of property taxes. You'd get rid of um, income taxes. Oh, I, you'd I'm get not rid of all of these you. taxes yeah, yeah. and just do the uh, consumption tax. But the six. The points, thing I like about yeah, it is that yeah. everybody pays it. Yeah, from you know, and and there were going to be exemptions for food and clothing and some things for you know people that don't make much money. But the idea yeah. that your your drug kingpin who's making all of this illegal money is going to be paying the tax when he buys his Ferraris mm-hmm. and his yeah. big mansions. Tom, that, that's a big selling point. You know, there, isn't it? We, we have to mark this down. This is going to be two times we agree in the same radio show. You're you're a, you're a believer in the fair tax. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You know, I look at it and say, yeah. you know, so when the four-year-old goes out and buys his candy, should he pay taxes? Well, the answer is yes, because sidewalks cost money for oh, him boy. to ride his bicycle oh, on. Boy. All right. That but was an attempt at humor, we, but there you we go. We haven't even talked about the uh, the girl who has to have a lemonade stand and a GoFundMe page to pay for her brain surgery and what that says about our health care system in this country and how we deliver health care. But that's a, that's a story <laughs> for another day. We need to take a break here. We'll come back with more if you have a question from Earl. We'll be right back on WSAU. Here in the studio, I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. We've got a few minutes left. If you want to get through to Merle, give us a call. What else is on your plate over there? I have an article that popped up, and it's, a, and it's an opinion piece. Uh, investing by Jack Denton, who's who wrote it. And the title of it is Buy Three Battery Stocks to Play the EV Party and Stray Away from This Company, says UBS, who was the uh, uh, cited people and in inside of this, to, uh, who are the brilliant people, I suppose, you know, more than me. But the whole thing is that the electric vehicle marketplace is taking off, and Tesla is going to be getting a lot of competition, um, Neo being one of them. Of course, General Motors and others are uh, going through and, and doing this. And so... Um, And as part of this, um, we have to look at who's building the batteries. And now I say this because we have somebody right in our town right here, and he's probably listening. Hello, hello, hi. Um, uh, And and he literally is, folks, uh, is one of those nuclear battery scientists. I don't know if there's a nuclear battery, but but you get my point. His job is to the science of batteries. The nuclear battery? He built the battery for the Batmobile? Yeah, the nuclear battery scientist turbo uh, is what it is. And so in the middle of this whole thing, folks, is one of the things he describes to me is that with all the lithium-ion batteries that are going on, um, there's a problem with lithium-ion batteries when you start getting over about mid-Illinois north is that they don't like to work right in the wintertime. And so as a result of that, there's going to be a whole bunch of battery technology that's got to change. One of them is lead-acid batteries work a lot better up here than lithium-ion batteries just because they weather the cold and that whole bit. And there's certain additives you can put inside of the lead acid to make them function about the same way. And they're roughly a half to uh, two-thirds of the cost of the lithium-ion batteries if they have to replace them. And so I think we're going to see a whole change in that. And so in here, what they're talking about is looking at the companies that are creating these lithium-ion batteries and, and batteries in general and saying we should invest or investigate inside of some of those. And so a couple of companies that they talked about that I thought was a really good idea um, one of them is LG through, uh, it's a South Korean company. Uh, they do a lot of batteries for a lot of people. There's a couple of Chinese companies that are out there, as well as Tesla, and even General Motors is getting in the middle of this thing. And so, 
Do some research, folks, and take a look at the batteries, which is the driving force of our electric vehicles, hence the term EV. General Motors talking about building another plant in Tennessee along with the one they're building in Ohio. I also read this week that Volvo is, says they will not have any internal combustion gas engines in their cars in by the end of the decade. Now, that's mm-hmm. only nine years. I mean, that doesn't yeah. seem like very long, and they're, they, they're, they're all in. It's going to be all mm-hmm. electric or all uh, EV uh, vehicles. What's yeah. that, what does that mean for their stock and their company? Is, is Volvo a, a publicly traded company? Um, Volvo, I believe, is a publicly trading company. I think they're an ADR. I, I don't have any familiarity with individual stock, but they're not an American company. Yeah. Um, but ADR is an American depository receipt. But, but the interesting thing about this is I think we're going towards electric vehicles. I think we are. I don't know how much electric vehicles are really making the planet greener because it takes a lot of, I mean, you got to dig up a lot of ground for lithium ion batteries and the rare earth metals. But um, I think it's certainly going to make the air cleaner um, at large. And we still have to use coal fire plants, but we can scrub out coal pretty good. Um, But um, I like the idea of of doing them. Um, I just don't like the distance we get out of them if we want to take a long drive uh, with the EV car. All right, let's go back to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Bob, from Bob, Bob, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. Great, great. Thank you, uh, Merle, for your your, your service here. Um, well, thank you. Yes. Um, my question is, uh, how do I find some of these companies? Uh, how do I individually invest in some of these companies like lithium ion batteries and that sort of thing, self-driving cars? Mm-hmm. Uh, they all want me to sign up for uh, you know, Motley Fool, uh, some of these other companies that, uh, that offer this, but they don't give me instructions on how to invest in these uh, individual companies. Well, once you know the name of the company, it's pretty easy. You can go to any brokerage platform or broker and pick it up, but you have to have the names of the companies. One of the unfortunate parts about this, Bob, is the technology tends to be so new that you have companies, but they're not publicly traded yet, if that makes any sense. You know, if we take a look at uh, um, SpaceX with Elon Musk, there's a whole bunch of people besides just Elon Musk that are putting money into SpaceX. And so with them putting money into SpaceX, um, they're realizing the value of it, but it's not public, so you and I can't buy into it. Though there are public space companies that are that have stocks uh, that are traded that launch up uh, commercial rockets all the time. So we can do that type of work. So the biggest thing to do is you have to you know go in and put you know self-driving cars, and it'll give you the names of the number of companies that are working on that and see which ones may be public. Um, you also have to look at, you got to get through all the ads and the promotions for companies trying to promote their stock that aren't viable. So there's some work to do, but you can find it. So you fi- find a symbol. If you find a symbol, you can go to any stock trading platform or stock broker and purchase that stock if you think it's right for you. Sure. Great. Great. <laughs> well, a first good step would be uh, to obviously educate myself in that, in that uh, sense. And, uh, but you have to, you know, Bob, if you, if you go back a few years ago, the biggest questions we had is, oh, what pot stock do I want to buy? And, and my answer was none. Um, but I think I think the, the self-driving cars, the EV cars in this direction, it's a direction we're going to go. Uh, but there's a ton of research that has to be done to it, and myself included. I mean, I have to keep track of the stuff as much as possible, and I probably haven't dug into every nook and cranny as I probably should coming up, and it's going to be the, the direction we are all going uh, into the future. Sure, thank you. Uh, I, do you, do your company has offer uh, Saturday appointments at all? Uh, we don't do any Saturday appointments, um, uh, but we do do Fridays and uh, certainly evenings. Okay, maybe evenings would be a, a, an option. Uh, thank well, there, you very much. 
There you all go. Right, all right. Thanks Very for the good. call, Bob. Appreciate it. Well, we're just about out of time here for today. If folks want to schedule one of those Friday or evening appointments, how do they go about doing well, that? Well, we could do Saturday if it involves breakfast. You know, we just, <laughs> you know, maybe a cup of coffee or something. Um, give us a call or stop in. Uh, stop in 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. Uh, visit with uh, Mary. Um, she always makes a means cup of coffee that tastes good and makes me jittery. You give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wasa area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchenassociates.com. You could set up one of those Saturday meetings here after the show, and I'll get a consulting fee out of it. <laughs> well, or a truck, you know, one of the food trucks out there. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, buddy. Merle Kelch, Kelchen Associates here in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. Badger Hockey. The Badgers finish up the regular season looking to win the Big Ten Conference title. They take on Michigan State again this afternoon, and you can hear that game right here, pregame show at 1 o'clock. All right here on WSAU. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer.